hungry arms Why the hungry arms Give me all the love I need Girl, you say you want it And I have no tricks about it And this play our faces around me Want you to know where they go, but they ain't got nothing on you. So say hi and open your mouth for me. I got you locked down like police. No three to five, you're doing life so. Please don't knock over my heart, 'cause my heart is full of you. Yeah, my heart is full of you. What is up, doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel Roll Show, where we discuss this below-average basketball team, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is April 5th, 2016, a chilly, chilly evening day here in the nation's capital. The weather is bipolar. I will refrain you from going off on my weather rants uh, for this episode because with me today is officially still my co-host with an asterisk, Mr. Truth About It. Kyle, what is up, bro? What is going on? It's, uh, I guess it's a disappointing spring so far, wizards and weather-wise, so sorry about that for you. Um, but yeah, it's just a Tuesday night, I think. I don't know, it's hard to keep up with the days counting down to the end of the season. And our wizards play again tomorrow against the Brooklyn Nets, and I think right now, let's see, Detroit's playing Miami, of course, Detroit's in seven, so uh, I, I don't know, I think the Wizards are pretty much out of it, we just put up a post on the site, like a translated post um, from our Polish correspondent, Bartosz Bilecki, um, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping I'm saying Bart's name right, um, Gortat spoke to a, a Polish outlet and I guess, I guess the reporter was based in Los Angeles, so it happened after the Clippers game. And basically, it's on just like the season being over, what his plans are for the offseason. Even though the team technically had the chance, I guess the Wizards would have to win all of their games and everyone have to lose all of theirs. But, uh, but yeah, so that's my Tuesday in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> yes, it's a long odds. I think at the end of this podcast, I'm going to go through that all for the people. I, I will save you that uh, that trouble, Kyle, and that pain because it is very painful. But let's talk. Uh, speaking of pain, let's talk about the miserable road trip. Uh, the Wizards currently are 37 and 40. They just got back from a five game uh, uh, West Coast trip where they went two and three. Uh, they beat the Lakers, they beat the Suns, they lost to the Warriors, lost to the Kings, and lost to the Clippers on Sunday. And like you mentioned, they play tomorrow night, Wednesday, at home against the hapless Nets. Kyle, just your – we're not going to get into every one of these games. I know time is short with you, and, and, and at this point, I don't know how much it really matters to get into you know the rotations or what happened in the third quarter of this game. That seems kind of moot at this point, <laughs> but, but I still feel that there's a lot to discuss of these last five games, especially the last three. What was just your overall sense and your feel of that road trip uh, now that you look back on it? Uh, you know, the tone was pretty much set in that Lakers game coming off the double overtime loss to the Timberwolves at home. I think they really let the Lakers hang around and, I, you know, in the end, it looks like a going-away win by the Wizards, but it wasn't as much of a win as it should have been, I guess, considering the opponent 
and just especially how the Lakers came in and embarrassed the Wizards on our trip to D.C. earlier in the season. So they just didn't play that great, and I think that was the, the theme for the rest of the trip. They had spurts in games where they played well. Um, you know, they sort of hung with the Warriors a little bit, but then other spurts where they just looked terrible against the Kings. Um, you know, and the Clippers, they just got off to a slow start. So it's just, you know, the Wizards were there, but not all the way there. And that was just sort of, that's, it was all indicative of the season we've seen to date. Yeah, yeah to me, when I, when I looked at the trip before it started, it was really that they couldn't beat the T-Wolves to start it, right? I mean, when you, when you look back at the trip, you're like, oh my gosh, they can't beat the hapless T-Wolves at home. They had them multiple times put away. Me and Rashad talked about this on a podcast before, so I don't want to go into all the many details of the people, but that was kind of set the tone, like you said, of how the trip was going to go because they needed it to go four and one. They, three, yeah. and two, three and two at worst. And then since they can't beat the T-Wolves, they really had to go four and one. They couldn't even go three and two. So that means that they had to either beat the Warriors who you knew that, that was, those odds were high, or they had to beat the Clippers, who is a, is a really good, really, you know, top five team in the NBA. Uh, I thought they competed both with the Warriors and the Clippers, but the game to me that was the most disappointing one of the road trip was Sacramento. And, and maybe we should just t- discuss that a little bit, is in the sense that, you know, you play the champs on national TV, you know, you hung, didn't really play that well, but had some chances there in the, you know, late third, early fourth, didn't didn't prevail, uh, and then you go to Sacramento on the on a back to back, and this Kings team is just not good, especially on the defensive end, and they just whooped them, and and the Wizards it felt that the Wizards almost just kind of gave up a little bit. I would say it's not like they gave up in the sense that I felt like how they did in Utah or how they did in Denver, but it just you never even when the Kings were up five seven points I believe five to ten points at half I was like oh my gosh this second half is just they don't have another gear. And, and they just didn't have it. They had no answer for Boogie Cousins. The defense was just atrocious, especially their transition defense. Uh, and, and it just was just, oh. Just, it just felt like that was the game that was pretty much ended it for them. Uh, I know they had to win out pretty much. The odds were, you know, really, really long for them. But that was a game they had to win. And, and I didn't realize they had not won in Sacramento since 2009, so I guess I shouldn't expect them to yeah, win that game. You know, we do have some memories of, like, I remember uh, Tyreek Evans picking Gilbert Arenas' pocket just, like, at one of those moments when you thought Gilbert Arenas was going to, like, be on the comeback. And I, I think this is, uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's that 2008 or nine season or whatever, but uh, there are some – Interesting moments, but I was surprised that it was that long since they won in Sacramento. Well, uh, town, I guess. Wasn't it two years ago they were up like six or seven in the final minute and they blew it? <laughs> that yeah. Was, that was another one. But, but, you know, how did you, I know you wrote something about this game, uh, you know, Sleep Time or Sleep Train, I believe was your headline. You wrote some really good things about the team. And just what was your sense of that game? Was it as dire as I described it? I mean, was it felt like, you know, hey, the dagger was already in, but I just felt like this was, this was it. Oh, I mean, it was terrible. And I remember, you know, it's funny because that, that game was, uh, I guess, Saturday night. And, um, no, 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 it was Friday night. night. Wait, Wait, shit. Wednesday night. Wednesday night. It was Wednesday night. It was Wednesday night. I don't know what night Sun, it was. Sun, Sun's remember... game was Friday night. The, the Kings game was okay. Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday was the Warriors. Yes. All right, man, it, it's all blown together with these, these road losses and wins. But, uh, yeah, I just remember 
when taking some of those vines and some of the plays that they just gave up on of like guys scoring open, you know, opportunities in transition, it was just so bad. But then somehow they would get close and they would really, they, that, that game was like such a tease because it was, you know, it's easy to still look like you're trying and, and score and do okay doing, doing all that, especially against the Kings. But I guess it's easier to quit on defense because the Kings scored 60, po- 60 points in each half. That's like that's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt uh, Otto Otto had a lo- really nice game and kind of kept him in. But then, of course, the Wizards went away and didn't run any plays for him in the second half. I, I don't think it would really would have mattered. But Cousins was just toying with him as well. You know, he was dribbling. Even some of his turnovers were kind of showboaty, and they just had no no answer to him. And not not that most teams do, but he really felt like just destroyed their you know what what they had left of the season. Oh yeah, I mean, it's just and they had some funny defensive like possessions against them where they tried to front them and that didn't work, and they counted on like weak side help from Beal. And you know, Cousins is a bare handle from for anyone. And maybe Nene did a little bit better job. Of course, Nene was picking up these ridiculous fouls that game, but neither of them could handle Cousins. And but the, the Wizards didn't do a good good enough job of denying him the ball and maybe even contesting some of the shots. He certainly jacked up some jumpers and ended up making them as well. Yeah, and then and then they go into Phoenix. Just touch on these games a little bit. We don't have to go into the details of them all. But then the Phoenix game, our Friday night, I had a big Saturday plan, so I wasn't going out. I'm going to watch this Phoenix Suns-Boysers game by myself in my, in my spot, 1030 on Friday. Uh, you know, I was wondering what time I would debate uh, my life choices. And I believe, I believe it was, uh, uh, was it a Dudley fadeaway airball? No, Marcus Thornton fadeaway airball, like right before half. I think debated my, my life choice on Friday night. And then it became where, oh my gosh, they're going to lose this game. I never felt they never, they never led in the game, I believe. And Buckhans got really excited when the Wizards went on their, their, their run, which ended up helping win the game in the fourth quarter. He was like, the largest lead for the Wizards of three points and I was like wow you're really excited about a three-point lead there Buck uh, and it was pretty much a game that yeah the Wizards went on to this run and made some defensive plays here and there but once again it was similar to the Phoenix game I remember that I covered the Verizon Center earlier this year where how did the Wizards win that game because Phoenix totally outplayed them throughout and Phoenix gave the game away more so than what the Wizards did uh, I mean, you have to give them credit, I guess, here and there, but it just seemed like self-destruction by a team that doesn't really even want to win, which is the Suns. And you have, you have the Wizards trying to make the playoffs. And the thing that, that just struck me and was so miserable of watching that game was coming into the Kings game and the Suns game. It was like, who is the team trying to be? Who's the team trying to salvage their season by making the playoffs? Is it the Kings or the Suns? Because it sure as hell does not look like the Wizards. <laughs> and these are 20-win teams. And here's the Wizards trying to scratch and claw to get in the eighth spot. And you wouldn't, if you set, you had no one watch any of those games, any, knew anything about those teams, and you watch those games, you'd have no idea that the Wizards were the one fighting for the playoff lives. You wouldn't. And it, I think it was that Suns game that I was thinking about first Friday night. Had like a night. Night with the wife, we had some drinks, went on a walk, whatever, or, or also had some drinks on our like our building's balcony. So it was like a nice Friday evening, 
I'm like, all right, well, you know, let's go home and watch the, the Wizards. Honey. Uh, and so, you know, she was cool. She was, like, tired by then. And I ended up falling asleep. I watched most of the game and sort of just bitched and moaned about it because for 40 minutes they just didn't show up at all. And I actually ended up falling asleep and missed the last eight minutes of the game because by then it was, like, you know, late or whatever being on the West Coast. And I had to wake up the next morning to watch the last eight minutes where suddenly, like, it's like the Wizards turn on the light. I think Bradley Beal may have gotten mad about whatever and started scoring a bunch. And then I think uh, the boos may have fueled Markeith Morris a little bit because they continue to, to boom a little bit every time he touched the ball, even up until the end of the game. Um, and then Maul just sort, sort of scored and was efficient from the field. And But, yeah, it would, it would just – you just wonder why they just never show up to some of these games. And there just seems to be a lot of deep issues with this team. And each one of these games shown in some regard uh, uh, that, that's, that that's just true. Yeah, and then they go to the Clippers game. Uh, 12.30 local start on Sunday. I was concerned uh, about them partying too hard on Saturday night in L.A. because I know how much the Wizards and all NBA players love hanging out in Los Angeles. And 12.30 local time is a very early start, uh, especially for – for basketball players that never hardly play that many Sunday afternoon games or afternoon games in general in the NBA. Uh, the Wizards, I don't know if it was partying or hangover. I don't think it really was that. Wall got two early fouls. One was completely BS. He ended up getting a technical on it from our friend Blake Griffin, who was his first game back. We watched this game at a bar in Petworth uh, without the sound with a bunch of, you know, whiz blogger types and your buddy Dean. And, and it, the Wizards, once again, did not play exceptionally well, but somehow made another run, looked like they were going to get blown out, fought back, fought back, and had a couple chances at the end to maybe tie the game. And Chris Paul was just, you know, making Chris Paul plays, and Jamal Crawford was hitting shots. And that's pretty much my takeaway. I just watched, I just rewatched it here uh, tonight. And uh, JJ Redick was hot early, uh, but, but I felt that they did a good job on Blake Griffin, who definitely was rusty on his way back. And, they did a little hack of DeAndre Jordan at the end of the game that helped. But Wall and Beal did not shoot that well. So for them to actually be that close to the game uh, against a really you know high-caliber team like the Clippers on the road actually is a plus. But it isn't a plus, Kyle, when it's the 76th game of the season and you need wins to make the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because when I, I think about the, the issues with this team, there are a lot of them. Um, sometimes you want to start with maybe the, the right coach could come and, and correct some of those issues. But this is also one of those games where coaching didn't matter. I think ultimately, you know, the Clippers stars sort of flexed on the Wizards stars. And, and I, when I, I was thinking about this game myself, and I, I'm actually trying to write my very late post about it now. And, you know, it's it just so many signs about how either, you know, they get down on themselves or try to take over the game at the wrong moments or, or just give up on plays defensively. I think there are so many issues. Ultimately, as talented as John Wall and Beal are, with especially how great we've seen them together, uh, you know, it's their inability to get to that even next next level um, that has really set this team back. And when you look at the overall problems this year, and part of that is obviously Beal being injured. Wall has played every game, and he's been an All Star. But still, th those two have to carry this team. And certainly they were fully healthy in this Clippers game, and they've had you know plenty of games along the way since Beal's come back to build a rhythm, and that just simply hasn't happened. You know, now am I saying that John and Bradley won't work out together? No, you know, I think they still complement each other, and maybe that's 
Uh, we can talk about Bill later. Um, but I think that that's what stands out to me about that Clippers game. It's just Chris Paul and even J.J. Redick and DeAndre Jordan were just too much for for them to for them to handle. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for the Wizards. We've said it all year. We said it's hard for them to win without Beal. It's hard for them to basically impossible for them to win if John Wall doesn't play well. And if those two guys together don't match the other stars of the other teams, especially the top-notch teams in this league, they're just not going to win. And we can sit here and, and discuss the supporting cast and all their flaws and you know front office and coaching, but sometimes it does come down to the stars playing at their at their best, and that was a game, an example, where they didn't, and they're not going to prevail unless they do. It's just struggling that they can't, even when they're not their best, they can't beat a, you know some of these teams that should they should be able to take care of, like a Minnesota, right? I mean, that's, exactly. That's the stuff that's frustrating. Now, let's talk about Bradley Beal. Uh, he caused a stir after the Sacramento loss. He was definitely frustrated, made some comments in the locker room. Uh, I'm going to play them now. It's just emergency. It's like kind of like, to me, it felt like we didn't give up. You know, we won a great opportunity. We still went to playoffs, but it's just not going to be good enough. Like, what do you think? I don't know. I guess we kind of figured out why we're going to the playoffs for some reason. I know, or you can see that we just want to get to the offseason. Impression of those of those comments, Kyle, of what he said in the locker room after Sacramento, and what your initial thoughts were, and what you think they mean, or uh, just you know your take, your hot take, your hottest takes, dude. That's how we're <laughs> the hottest take is that uh, no, it was letting off some hot steam, and you know you can't blame Beal. I think there is something to what he said about the whole team, but there's also a point that. You know, he needs to, to back it up. And if it, him saying this out loud means that this is his attempt at, uh, leadership, um, that's fine. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't, I'm not in the locker room, but I wouldn't imagine that he's one of the top five, six leaders on the team. Um, when you think about other stronger voices from, you know, from just sort of being around the team, you think obviously it's Wall, 
Temple, uh, Jared Dudley, maybe even Drew Gooden, uh, Gortat, and Ned, you figure like these are probably the vocal guys leading the team. But, you know, but still, you, you can't blame him for, for saying what he said. I don't think it's ultimately a big deal. Uh, you know, as frustrating as the season can be for the players, their reactions to it, I think if they sort of, you know, know this summer's coming or are allowed to sit back and figure things out, they'll, they'll be, you know, sort of a fresh look coming in next season because you can certainly expect Beal to be part of the Wizards going forward. Yeah, and we're, we're going to have a play of off season to talk about that. I, you know, this team, first of all, this team does do a lot of dumb stuff. I don't know about who needs to really sit down or not. I, I don't know what that really means. And sometimes, uh, you know, they do bark too much out there, especially John Wall barks a lot at everyone. So I don't know where some of these comments are, are, are basically focused on. But it's hard for me to rip on a player. You know, it's, it's that whole thing of a media or, you know, oh, hey, a player never says anything. What's of hollow platitudes? And then once he says something, everyone crushes him. You know what I mean? And it's, like, yeah. it's like, oh, he never says anything interesting. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, once he says something that is, you know, somewhat, you know, gives you some real of what's how he's feeling, especially in a, in a feelings, fresh, emotional situation like that, and then you're going to crush him for being, you should be more professional and you should do this and that. And so it's hard for me to really kill him each way. I, you know, hey, that's how he felt at the time. I think it's not that big of a deal. I think it gets people some stuff to talk about. But I do feel like the one reaction, I was surprised by the reaction because Hoop District puts a poll out there uh, about Bradley Beal's comments, and Mr. Martin Gortat tweets <laughs> the response of the Twitter poll <laughs> to Hoop District. I know he follows Hoop District in standing, uh, Mr. our friend Ben saying at Comcast, because I know he's gone back and forth on them. What were your, uh, what was your impressions what did, what did he say? He just said no. It was like, he just said no, yeah. It's a poor question. The question was, did it help? They gave three options and not, you know, none of the options were no, but uh, <laughs> that's what Gortat said. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny that we see some of this, you know, these little things played out on occasion in such a public realm. And of course, we're going to blow it up and make a big deal about it. Uh, but, but yeah, I th- think it was funny. Obviously, the veteran would say that. And then, you know, in terms of Beale's comments, you know, maybe he should shut his mouth. Maybe he shouldn't. Maybe it was even a calculated sort of move on his part, or at least he thought about it like, hey, this I really want to show my frustration with, you know, other players and management. I'm going to say this at this point. Um, and, and so maybe maybe there's just messages to send in the public realm that they're able to do now, and we, we're able to see and magnify. But I don't, you know, I, I think it's minor and ultimately, like, you know, in a winning situation, I, I think Beal and Gortat are also like very professional guys, and that can easily turn around given the right environment. Yeah, it was it was funny because I pushed back on Gortat and I said, "Hey, it's funny that Beal is frustrated in post game comments after a loss when the game prior I was covering, I wanted to talk to you, especially about the loss and about your missed free throws and what happened, and you ducked the media. I didn't talk to anyone." And so I criticized him in that fashion. was like, hey, you know, at least he didn't duck the media like you just did after this game. And we've seen Gortat done that a lot over the season. Now, I had a lot of, I had some, one guy push back on me. He was, you know, Gort, he, he was mad that I would say that and he didn't understand and how Beal, you know, needs to suck it up and stop complaining and how Gortat's always been candid. 
And I was like, yeah, he has, but this just happened last week. And Beal's saying this in a post-game press conference, and I get it. Does it really matter? No. Then he's like, well, what do you want Gortat to say to you after that game? I was like, no, he doesn't have to say anything to me. I mean, he can duck the questions, but when he calls someone out for saying stuff, in a that calls someone out, but makes a comment on tweet, I guess, right? Like a comment on a Twitter post. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you, then, he, was, he knew what he was doing, and yeah. you, were, you were sort of right to put that up. And I'll note that, you know, I haven't covered – Every game, home game this season, obviously, since we rotated around with our with our crew. But there are a lot more times you see Gortat sort of ducking out on the media. And, and Beal really never does. And I don't think he's necessarily afforded that luxury being, like, sort of who he is and sort of a younger face to the franchise. But, you know, Beal is always sort of, although he, he might be reluctant as Gortat, and, and, you know, if I were in their player's shoes, there would be some games where I would sneak out when the media is talking to someone else. You know, I can't lie to you about that, and I can't blame them. But you're, you're exactly right, and it's, it's not the first time that Gortat has sort of ducked the media in sort of critical situ- situations because, you know, ducking out at some point is fine because not every player talks after a game, uh, but, but sometimes you do have to face music. Yeah, I mean, he's the starting center. He has a $60 million contract. He's the one that wants to be, you know, he has Polish Heritage Night and does all these things online and, and, and all these all these great things in the community. That's fine. Hey, man, you have a bad game, dude. Just, you know, face the music for a minute or two and take off like Nene does. And, that's, and the thing is, that doesn't really matter in the big picture. I was just pointing out that that had just happened. And he had hit miss those two crucial free throws that – that really cost him that, uh, a winnable game. Now, obviously, it wasn't all on him. There was other people involved. I thought that that was interesting. But, Kyle, the, another interesting part that came out today, breaking, breaking, somewhat breaking news, uh, breaking news that's old news, really bizarre. Uh, maybe you can enlighten the people about the Grunfeld news that broke from our, from our uh, guy we know, I guess our friend, I guess we say, friend. I consider Jorge a friend. Jorge Castillo of the Washington Post, the beat writer for the Wizards. I broke a story. When I saw the headline, I just knew what was going to happen online. Uh, that this is just going to, there's a couple of topics that can rile people up. It was Andre Blotch, it was Javel McGee, and it is Mr. Ernie Grunfeld, and it's also the Bullets name, but Ernie Grunfeld, especially, I wouldn't even say he's polarizing because polarizing would mean that there's people in favor of him. So uh, I don't know what you call that when everyone just doesn't like someone or wants them not to be their. Ma- be there, you know, be in charge anymore. But Kyle, tell the people what happened today with this news. Uh, well, yeah, first of all, I think this is Jorge Castillo's first uh, season covering a team, right? Second, second year, second year. So, oh, second year. So, but um, he does not know. He does, he does uh, not know all. Of, he doesn't know how deep this goes. I guess. He's yeah, aware, he doesn't but. know how deep it goes. But actually, he's done a, a really good job at the post. Um, you know, as Michael Lee transitioned, um, so. Yeah, he's uh, I enjoy his work, but yeah, he, he put out an article today, and it was an interesting bit of news, especially with the phrasing. It wasn't like the Wizards extended Grun- Ernie Grunfeld, and it just was that he has one more year on his contract. And I think a lot of people sort of took that news to be like, oh, like now they're just giving him another year after this disappointing season. What what I really think is the case, and of course, Grunfeld's contract isn't necessarily public. We haven't ever really known a lot about his deal from especially from going from the Poland family to Leontis. I mean, aside from some some vague bombshells that, that Mike Wise has put out over the years. But but I think the the thing is is that it has another year. I fully expect 
even during a disappointing season where this team has not played, made the playoffs, I sort of expected Grunfeld to be back. Um, you know, I, I think when there are a lot of reasons that management and ownership have probably communicated on in which they can convince themselves that they at least have a good platform going forward. And that's, and when I talk about the platform, that's Wall and Beal, Porter, um, Kelly Oubre and Gortat being under, under contract extension. I, I include Beal because he's a restricted free agent and I fully expect the Wizards to bring him back. And of course, Morris now would be part of that bunch. Um, so I think they can probably convince themselves that at least they're in this position to maybe get Kevin Durant and the foundation they've set for Durant so far, even going so far as to, you know, hire, uh, David Atkins, who was Durant's coach in high school and they've sort of sown some seeds there that it might, I would say it all, it could hurt the franchise a little bit if they went to, or hurt their chances with Durant if they went for management right now. But that's just sort of like, I mean, that's a little bit of an off-base hypothetical. I think a lot of people make have made themselves believe that the Wizards don't have a chance at Durant at this point. But I think once the season's over and he really thinks about his free agency, they have as good of a chance as any team outside of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Of course, I think a lot of people suspect that Durant will just sort of re-up with them with the year and option. But I, I guess back to the point, about uh, Grunfeld and his the sort of news about his contract, you know, I'm not yeah, surprised. What about, the, what about the timing? Is it just is it just weird timing, or Jorge was like, okay, I got to write something here about it, and someone just told him stuff? I mean, I guess I haven't talked to him about it, and he probably won't tell me the answer anyway if I ask him because we don't have that close relationship yet. But I thought the timing was mysterious because in a way we already assumed he, it wouldn't be like you'd assume that his contract wasn't up, right? Yeah, I think they're just maybe they're getting the news out of the way as this team is all but out of the playoffs. And, and yeah, it's because it's not like yeah, I can't imagine anyone was suddenly holding on to that bit of information and said, "Hey, let's let's write this story to get people riled up." Or I, yeah, I don't know. You, you don't know. It, it, it was an interesting thing to suddenly come out, but oh, that would be my guess. Up. Just getting news out of the way. Kyle, it riled people up. People were fighting. Uh, press conferences that I had of I had recorded on YouTube that only have like twenty views of Ernie Grunfeld from like two thousand ten. <laughs> and it's like I remember I recorded like a whole press conference and made like seven videos of him, which you know, can you imagine how, how boring those are? But it was ones where just talking about the future and how awesome Javel McGee was gonna be and Andre Bloch and all these people and they were so mad. And finding these tweets oh my from, gosh. they're finding tweets from like years and years ago of all types of people, like Washington Wizards tweets and Grunfeld and how awesome Vesley's going to be and, and Jordan Crawford and go down the list, uh, you know. And, and it it's, just it, yeah, I mean, it's, since 2003, I mean, that has – that's a long tenure to be running an NBA team. And I think that just with the lack of overall success and how, just how bad some of the worst seasons have been, there's no surprise that it's – that like – People get all like I'm sure the comment section. I, I haven't checked it recently. Uh, the Washington Post is, is fun to read, but I, I think it's easy to get people around DC riled up about something 
bad in sports or oh, something that they perceive to be bad in sports. So well, this is one of those things. Well, both forever comment section was pretty bad and the Facebook comments were pretty bad. And I didn't really wade too much into them because I already, I mean, I've been dealing with this for years. Hell, I was used, I used to be one of those people writing all those things. I've just come to accept, you know, death taxes and earning Grunfeld in my life. But the thing is, I think at the end of the article, which is the biggest indictment, is not that it was some bombshell of an article. It just shows his, it just lists his record, right? It just shows his record, how long he's been there, and how he's the fifth longest tenured, and the other four people above him all have NBA championships. And I think just like these little, it's just like a paragraph. Is If you're just reading that as an NBA fan, you're like, why the hell is he still in charge? <laughs> Uh, and, you don't, you, and you didn't mention the very last line, which I've been going back and check, but it was like in italics, it said more to come. So <laughs> it, it was, it, it's, uh, it's like ominous. Uh, you, who knows? I don't know. I mean, just this news doesn't necessarily mean that Ted Leonsis won't eat the last year of his contract. It just, it just seems like there's this, some sort of mystery automatic opt-in after that's triggered by, you know, the, the, tides and the moons and if they get a certain amount of analytics and, and it was just again like you bring up it was all curious timing so i i did i did some stuff on twitter a couple questions and just do one real quick the guy says make the case why grunfeld should stay for another year um <laughs> and you can make that better than me because i mean i get it from stability standpoint but well yeah i, I start yeah i sort of said that yeah. um and sort for of the Durant, for the Durant, Durant yeah. recruitment yeah, I mean, I think... Or the plan in, that they've had the whole time, right? I, I think some of the context, and you look at the big picture, and there's been a lot of failure, but there ha, you know, there's sort of this this sort of dumb luck, and that's what I, I mean sometimes when the, the management and ownership will get together and convince themselves of where they are now, not, not necessarily history. And so sometimes the dumb luck is, you know... Jan Vesely turning it out to be Jan Vesely in, instead of Christos Porzingis, as we, as we see with the Knicks, or like a guy not bringing the gun in the locker room and that sort of stuff happening, or, or the, just the issue with, you know, A. Poland not necessarily being an owner that was more forward-thinking, and a lot of what Grunfeld was asked to do was to sort of patchwork and win now and trade draft picks, and so what you, you get you give up the fifth pick for Mike Miller and Randy Foy, and I think sometimes, again, for fans, it's easy to get mad at the big picture and just see what a terrible record this team has had during, or terrible things have happened during Grenfell's tenure. Um, but I think the Wizards are still looking, living within their sort of recent window from getting John Wall, you know, drafting Beal, sort of adding auto to the mix, adding veteran parts, maybe too many veteran parts, as some people argue, and not enough player development. And maybe that's the biggest knock. Um, against Grunfeld, but if you look of what this team is capable of with a nice set of young players going forward, I still think it's a lot as disappointing as the season has been. Um, you know, we'll see what happens coaching-wise and roster turnover-wise, but you can't. I think a lot of GMs who who would want the job out there, a lot of them would see Washington's core and say, like, hey, I, I want that job. I want to go work there. Yeah, I guess I would say on Grunfeld's take is that he hasn't really laden this franchise with some albatross of a contracts that they haven't really got rid of. I mean, aside from the Gilbert Arenas contract, but that seemed to be more of an Abe thing, right? Yeah. It, 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 there hasn't been, like, he's going to spend this outrageous amounts of money uh, on these players, and now you got these bloated deals. Now, 
on the on the flip side, we've we've seen a lack of player development, so we haven't really got like oh we haven't got all these expensive old guys that can't play, but we haven't been able to get some cheap uh, younger guys that have developed. So I think it can go both ways. Now, yeah, like, yeah, and I think right? well to that point, you can miss on a draft pick, and it, maybe you can sell a draft pick sometimes, and I think that's more of an ownership thing than it is sort of a management thing, but but. Um, I think when it another frustration is how he's traded a couple of draft picks. Again, this is a bit of John Wall window, not necessarily the A Pullet window. But when you look at when he has traded draft picks, he gets decent talent back. I mean, it was worth a draft pick to trade and get Gortat and basically have. Yeah, Gortat was a free agent, but then you have a starting solid pick and roll center for the next you know four or five years. Or who knows? Will it be worth trading sort of a, a the twelfth pick or what have you? To get Markeith Morris, a player who's very talented, if he gets his head on straight, and again, you have the right environment, he's a solid starter for, like, you know, the next four or five years, too. So it's hard to, you know, you have to look at a lot of things, again, from when when the Wizards drafted Wall to, to where they are now, which it hasn't been ideal, but I think they're in a decent situation. And, again, if we're, if we're just asking me to make the argument for keeping Renfeld, that would be mine. Um, you know, sometimes you have the feeling that you just need a fresh start overall, um, and, and maybe that's what this team really does need. No, I believe that. Speaking of fresh starts, Grunfeld stays, right? Grunfeld stands. He's got this other year. Ted doesn't want to buy him out. Ted was doesn't want to do all the pain that it would take to do to clean house uh, what he really needs to do because I don't know if Ted really has that in him so much with the Wizards after he just did that with the Caps, even though Caps have been successful. But he did promote within the Caps, too. Now, the guy that's, uh, uh, forget his name, that runs the Caps now, uh, what about Rand- Randy Whitman? So does he, make the argument, okay, how about this? I'm going to do another unpopular one. Make the argument to keep Randy Whitman for another year. Because he, he's under a partial contract. Yeah, th- this is a very hard argument <laughs> to make because they're just results, even going back from this current disappointing regular season to even, you know, the past couple of regular seasons, um, you know, when they've had Pierce and Ariza, they've been such an inconsistent team. And while he did help, again, when you when you talk about what Whitman has done and what earned him, I guess, the right to coach up into this season was him helping change the culture, set a, set a defensive tone. Um, and while that got the Wizards to a certain point, I think even you see that, that he couldn't get them to play defense. And so, um, you know, making the argument – to keep him, I would I would just have the only one that can really be made is if you know I would be so cheap as to not want to eat the money it would take to relieve Whitman from his partially or, or whatever non guaranteed contract for next season. Yeah, I think I think that's some of it. I also believe that they'll try out. They would try to maybe make the injury excuse and try to also make that you wanted me to play a different style. Of basketball, and I had to go away from my defensive principles to do that. And you gave me Chris Humphreys to play the stretch four, and you gave me an injured, banged up, deadly Allen Anderson. I didn't play Martel Webster, who was out all year, Beal, who was hurt half the year, uh, Garrett Temple, and a 19 year old rookie, <laughs> and a Gary Neal, who ends up missing half, what a quarter of the year. Uh, and I'm yeah, not, that I, situation I, sucks. Yeah, so I'm not saying that I think he still should be held accountable. But it makes me wonder about the conversations they had of the style change and how he could make the, that he would make that argument to management is that it didn't really fit because we didn't have the right parts. 
Now, whether or not he's the right coach to make that style is what they should decide on their own. <laughs> Correct? Right. And, and, and they should bring everyone in. What, that is the last question before we go. Your comment. So, they get, you basically made the comment, okay, Grunfeld's probably going to stay. Whitman will probably be the, the sacrificial lamb here. What type of coach do you feel like they should bring in here? A young guy or an older veteran guy? I know we're going to have a whole offseason to go through names. But just what do you think when you look now at this roster or what they need? Um, and without, I mean, I guess it's hard not to talk about names per se. But, you know, a veteran savvy guy, maybe a young up-and-comer, someone that, you know, once they got a chance but it didn't work out, maybe the second chance will work. Um. I think they need a young guy who has played the game and is sort of, you know, a lot of what they say in being an NBA coach is being able to manage your players and manage your roster. And they need a guy who has this sort of energy to motivate and be able to manage his players while you fill the assistant roles with guys who have strong X and O's or strong defensive principles and guys that can really help, you know, formulate the strategy the head coach has to be, in my mind, a young guy who can do that. I mean, you, sometimes, you, you know, the catch there is that maybe a veteran guy has seen more locker rooms and, and has sort of had that experience. But I, I think especially if a guy has played at the NBA level and sort of, you know, understands how locker rooms work, you, you, don't, you need not be like sort of a, a savvy, you know, old type of coach to, to really get the job done. So that's, that's what type of guy I think they need. I, you know, there are some names out there. Maybe we can start going over there and go over, going over those names once something does become more official. But, um, but that's what type of coach I think the Wizards would benefit from. Yeah, I agree. I would, I'd like to see a guy, a lead assistant, kind of younger guy get a chance. And then maybe he brings in an old coach to be his number one, right? To bring his number one, a uh, number two, a guy that has some coaching experience. Uh, on the staff and, and that there's a mix because, you know, like we've mentioned, we've gone over this staff. That's, that's probably why women is, has stayed on because there really was no replacement internally. And I think that there has been, I can't really sing the praises too much of this staff currently. Uh, and, you know, for better or worse, but Kyle, we, that was the quickest podcast I'm ever going to do ever in the history, because I promised you, I promised ever. you uh, ever, ever. No, I don't know. Probably want to do one quicker, uh, but I, Preview the site or what you got going on. Uh, I know we got five more games. I'm going to go through the, the, the rest of the games here with people, but any party thoughts about what's on the site or you said you just put a post up or? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, sometimes our posts tend to not necessarily be game coverage, but sort of big picture toward the end of the season as it's become tough to watch this team. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll try to fight out the season probably better than the Wizards. Will with uh, our game by game coverage, and then uh, and really get to thinking about big picture in the summer and off season, and, and looking at possibilities. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. I think we did a good job. We're within maybe 40, 45 minutes at this point, so I can go and get some uh, some regular real life work done into the evening. But uh, yeah, th- thanks for having me, man. Uh, thanks, dude. Let's close this podcast out with a depressing reality of the situation. The Wizards' current playoff probabilities at 538, it is 7%. At ESPN, it is 2.8%. And at Basketball Reference, it is 1%. This might go up a tad uh, for tomorrow because the Pistons are losing to Miami by 20 points. Currently, the standings are the Wizards 
are 37 and 30. They're in 10th place. The Bulls are 39 and 38th and 9th. They are losing as well. Uh, pretty good to Memphis right now. The Pistons are 41 and 36. Looks like they will be 41 and 37. The Pacers are 41 and 36. The remaining schedule for the three teams, uh, the Wizards play the Nets Wednesday night at home. They play at the Pistons on Friday. Huge game that could probably eliminate them officially. Uh, and then Sunday, they play at home versus the Charlotte Hornets. They go back and play a road game uh, next Monday at Brooklyn. Brooklyn has shut down to uh, Brooke Lopez and Thaddeus Young. So that should be two victories for the Wizards. But, you know, knock on wood, you never know. And then they close the home closer. The last game of the season, uh, Wednesday, April 13th, against the Atlanta Hawks, who may be setting their regulars because they might have their playoff position uh clinched as for the schedule for detroit like i said they are getting smashed by miami currently on tuesday night here they play at orlando tomorrow night they play the wizards at home on friday they play the heat again next tuesday and then finish at cleveland who knows if cleveland will be playing their stars uh indiana plays cleveland tomorrow night at home they play at toronto brooklyn uh, at home, the Knicks at home, and then at Milwaukee. So it looks like Detroit has a little bit of a harder schedule. They're going to need a complete collapse by Detroit and win the rest of their games. Uh, so maybe three losses from Detroit, three more losses, and the Wizards to win out to maybe have a chance uh, to tie them for the last spot and then have the tiebreaker because they do not have the tiebreaker versus the Pacers. Uh, thank you, everyone, once again, for listening. Uh, I know me and Kyle went really quick there on some some topics, but we always appreciate your support, and we're going to grind the rest of the season out, uh, and we'll see what really happens with this team. It's going to be a very eventful summer, no matter what happens. I still have some optimism that they're going to make the playoffs, but, uh, you know, it does not look good at all. So thank you once again for listening, and as always, go Wiz. See, we get to the end, but that's where we begin, you feel it? Mannequins, and we breaking the mold. Breaking out, and we breaking the codes. Similar to the jack who stole to the depths in your wet, so you take explosive. So get it out. Send your body to flight. Everybody got a target tonight. Everybody come along for the ride. All you studs and your duds and your ladies is fly. Grip the moment like you're gripping the earth. Feel a weight, and you're feeling the girth. Now you get it, now you're feeling your worth. Fitness how you used to make when everything used to hurt. It goes, Where the butterflies and where the peace resides The first five minutes for the 15 of fame Five seconds for you saying my name I'm deadly sharp shooting the game Gonna hit you in the soul, execution is aim Get together and we building a fire Clear smoke and it's taking us higher Hands up, everyone is one If you see yourself making it, you see in the sun Metropolis on the edge of control They take our money but they won't take our soul Fuck that, ain't gonna do it no more Won't do what we told and we ain't gonna fall We go, oh. 